welcome to the Mind Your Leadership Podcast. I'm Karen Soup. In this podcast, I will have conversations with thought leaders, CEOs, and managers from various organizations about leading mindfully. We will learn from experienced leaders how they implement mindful leadership in the day-to-day organizational culture, and we will gain tools and skills. So stay with us. Hello. Today, I will speak with Dr. Efrat Yanni. Efrat is a keynote speaker, executive leader, with an extensive experience in major global and national cooperation in the high-tech, finance, and manufacturing industries. She's a former actor as the CPO of Microsoft Israel in diversity and inclusion lead in MEA Microsoft. She is the new world of work expert, working with CEOs and businesses leaders to build an organizational structure to enhance people's strategies for the success. Efrat is the author of the Present Impact Leadership, 111 Women Sharing Career Stories. It's the first collaborative women's book in Israel. So today we will speak about the new leadership, the struggle of being a woman in the leadership position, and how to overcome them, and what requires from us as the new leaders to do in order to lead successful and engaging workplaces. So stay with us. Efrat, thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining me, for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to our conversation. So Efrat, you created an incredible book called Presence Impact Leading, which generated stories from 111 women about the career path. So I really love the idea and I love your story in the introduction. So if you can share with us, actually what brought you to initiate this book and also share with us your story because I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, it was kind of connecting the dots of my uh, career path, mostly in global companies. And I'll be very honest with you, you know, I used to be the only woman around the, the, you know, the table. Probably you felt it as well. But I never felt I'm just, you know, taking the flag and uh, making a revolution. But somehow when I became an LT member, when I was 33 in Microsoft, which is a huge company, global technology company, which definitely enhanced the diversity inclusion, suddenly I looked, you know, right and left and I've been alone. And um, in sense of benchmarking and numbers, we were amazing, you know, at all levels of the organization. But in the LT, it wasn't the situation. And I remember, remember you know, I share with you, I remember my first one-on-one with the CEO, telling him, listen, I don't want to sit there alone. Let's move on. Let's push it. So then I realized all those complexity and challenges and so on. And it actually, you know, connect me to a couple of, you know, you know, uh, situation I've been in, uh, in sense of why to initiate the book. Uh, I'm lecturing in front of a lot of, you know, audiences, uh, women and men. And once a few, let's say a year ago, I, um, Lecture in front of, I call them the most smart youngsters in Israel. It's a very talented, uh, graduating the most, you know, high level programs in Israel, technology and science and so on. And at the end, four ladies raised their hands and asked, asked me actually, why? Why career? 
why to fly around the world and work like crazy? Why, why, why? And I was like, if she's asking why, and I need her in the workspace, I need her to be around that table. So, okay, let's stop. Then I met more and more women, you know, in steps, in their, uh, in their career steps, uh, asking the th- themselves if I, if I want to promote myself, if I'm, if I'm going, you know, to approach and ask for promotion. And all those connecting the dot situation and challenges I faced, you know, brought me to that, to realize that I want to collect as much stories that I can and to share the real non-filter uh, stories of career and life. Because I believe, you know, it's hard. You and I experience the same in corporate life. It's hard. There is tears. There is ups and downs, okay? But still, we chose to do it. And as much as we will educate our kids, our girls and men, but girls in that sense, to push themselves and to be part of it, we will see more and more equal representation. So that's the first line. But my body is shivering because I, it really touches me what you're saying. And, you know, I do want to ponder a little bit about the why. Why should they do it? You know, it's really a struggling situation. We need to invest our own energy and time in our career. And it has a cost, right? It's a pros and cons. Okay. So what is your answer to the why? Okay, I'll tell you what. I'm not saying we have stages in our life where we are young mothers, when we want to graduate our PhD, like I've done in, when I was 35 and you as well. And it's okay to scale back. It's okay to say I'm posing for one year and two years. But the why is it's your personal fulfillment. You know, when you're achieving a project, when you are working across cultures, like you've done, when you are you know, working in a high-level executive roundtable, you, you feel you're fulfilling your, your uh, competencies, your skills, and you'll become a better person in my point of view. And I read your book, and you are speaking a lot of, uh, about kind of the soft side, soft skills of us as a leaders. And I do believe that uh, first my girl will see a, a model that, you know, set a target and achieved it. And I want her to be to be uh, there as well one day. So I think the why is a combination of being better person of ourselves, personal example for the next generation to come. So I really, it really resonates with me because I think we are showing up more completely in our life, right? We're not only mothers and having our own family, but we're also fulfilling our calling. So I, I think it's important to give place to both of them. You know, it's fun because my spouse saw the, your book, the Presence impact leading. And then I also got a Dahlia's book there to lead like a girl. So he told me, all our house is full with, with the leadership books about women. <laughs> said, yes, no, yes, we're going there. And I was really happy that my daughter will read this book one day because, yes, but, we want to inspire them. But, you know, yeah, I know I'll tell you a couple of things. First, it was really important for me to bring an authentic stories. Those 101 women, they wrote it by themselves. I guided them. I worked around it for around the clock, but still, because I believe that uh, looking at the beautiful picture in the newsletter, when we are makeup very well, 50 influencer, uh, executive woman, so on, it's just the end of the road. It's not the road itself. And also the Y generation, and you spoke about it. Uh, I, re- I heard a lot of your podcast around how the generation changed and who are those newcomers to the workspace. And I think we need to educate them that it's not easy. It's one. It's not one shot. It's not one second. It's a. It's a roller coaster. I mean, like you are up and down, and you are. You need to work hard. Things mm-hmm. are not, you know, easy. 
And that's what my book reflects, actually. Uh, mine and, and the story you just mentioned in the opening around uh, near the kindergarten, that, that's the one you mean when I am yeah. here? Can you share it with the, with the audience? Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure, it's like, yeah, they need to read the book, but you know. But give them a teaser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the teaser, okay. It's around guilt and around a chip, like the technology chip of guilt that we are, I don't have it. But most of our, my executive friends as well has it, you know. And uh, the story is really simple. I used to flew a lot around the globe and I never pick up my kids from kindergarten. My spouse has done it very well. And I had, you know, my mother and also all that, you know, community we are, uh, we are setting around us. Uh, but once I landed uh, early, so I said, okay, it's an opportunity to pick my big Noam uh, from uh, kindergarten. I drove to the kindergarten, but I didn't know where the entrance Wait. is. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and uh, a couple of uh, mothers stood, you know, at the front of the kindergarten and I approached and said, hi, hello, nice to meet you. I never met them. Can you please share with me where uh, can I get in and to pick my kids? So they looked at me, all of them with a really, really like sad, angry, strange, uh, bad mother, slogan, blah, blah, blah. Who are you? I said, I'm Noam's mother. And they said, but you never came here. I said, yes, I'm working very hard. I'm almost not in Israel <laughs> nowadays. So and they are all like, you know, squeeze their faces. And now most of the women in that situation probably would go back to their car and said, wow, I'm a bad mother. Guilt, 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 guilt. Week after I took a promotion for <laughs> much harder work. So I'm just saying, and, and the end of the story is that months after I saw one of them driving with the car with the logo of company. And I asked her, hmm. I didn't know you were working there. And she said, no, it's because of you. I actually oh. was really, really angry about your, you know, your story. And I said, why I'm not fulfilling myself? Why I'm not looking for my next step? And she's done so. She went and interviewed and started working. She's my neighbor. She knows that I quote her in the book. So, wow. you know, and, and for your remark, I'm not saying that it's true for everyone. It's fit for everyone. I'm, I'm mature enough to say that it's not. But... Sitting alone there in those organizations, I realized that if we won't join each other and we will be there together, it won't happen. We can push against the numbers of salaries, you know, the non-equal salaries. We can push around that CEOs are men, mostly not women. In Israel, it's so low percentage of CEO and high. But at the end of the day, we need to want to be there. We went our wish to be part of it. And we can change the workplace. Maybe, you know, there's an inclination nowadays to go toward four days walking and finding the right integration so we can impact it from inside. But I do want to go back to what you said. It really touched me because it's amazing, you know, because you are so complete with yourself. You made us to reflect and look inwards and say, okay, why not me? If she can do it, I can do it also. So it's so amazing, you know, being a leader is being true to our own self. And as you said, each and every one sees differently who day to day. That's okay. Not everyone needs to be a leader, but once you're complete and you're authentic with what you're doing, you inspire so much around you. So this is, was amazing. And you know, I remember that once I came to Microsoft and you said, I didn't know you yet. It was like a decade ago. And I saw you sitting there and one of them, I saw she really appreciated you. She said, look, she's a, he was the HR. Then I think she's the HR of Microsoft. And it felt like they were really appreciating of your strengths and your position. So only to 
Say really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It's very, <laughs> okay, it's thank you. It, I'm flattered. It went, thank you. <laughs> it, was, it went beyond the word. I felt the appreciation toward you. So, you know, it really, I think it's amazing that you were so sure with your way, even I'm sure it wasn't easy. And I will be happy to hear a struggle that you went through and you overcome as a woman in, you know, mainly men culture. First, I will share with you, I have a lot of stories, but uh, first for your last point, I would say there is a big issue around looking at a role model. I think that if we are not there and we're not pushing ourselves to be there, the junior uh, who will join the organization in the technology roles, marketing roles, finance or whatever, they won't have something to look up to. And I think it's kind of our role in life. As long as we have time in that, you know, universe, I think it's a mission that we all need to, to take on ourselves. Uh, the struggle, you know, the struggle came from a lot of angles. Part of them, they were totally surprising. It wasn't hard for me, you know, in when I flew with an LT or them without she. No, I, I, I don't need it in sense of let's shop together. Let's, you know, chat. It's not, the, it's not that. It's mm-hmm. that. The discussion is much more diverse. It has more and more angles and approaches. And, you know, why we are speaking about diversity and inclusion? And by the way, inclusion is the hardest, hard part of it. Diversity brings more and more point of views to the discussion, to innovation. That's, inno- that's the baseline of innovation. It's not because I wanted a friend. It's because I wanted more and more point of views. And much as we are heterogeneous, we are more innovating. One of the things that was harder, it's hearing women executive telling me, stop that revolution. Because one of the senior managers, female approach to, to my role, she, she stepped in and told me, I don't want to be part of it. And I, I hear those voices you know, uh, around, I want the company to choose me, to promote me and so on, because what I can deliver and not because I'm she or he. Mm-hmm. And it's a good point. It's a good point. I remember a very hard, deep discussion around it. I learned from it. Uh, when we are, you are actually pushing around a new project or initiative or kind of revolution, you need to hear voices. That's, you know, it's something that I learned. But a day, few days after, there was a big, uh, you know, women conference in uh, Seattle and so on. And we decided she will go to present us. Mm-hmm. We approached her and actually uh, asked her to be our ambassador, although we knew it's hard for her. She came back totally in and <laughs> we won it. So I think sometimes the struggling, you know, somewhere that you are not, you know, expecting. You know, it's interesting because it resonated with me when your story, when my spouse saw all the books about women leadership, he said, why are you talking about women leadership? I think it does the opposite. I think you can see women that are connected more to the exactly. uh, masculine qualities and men that are connected more to the feminine qualities. So when I talk about leadership, women leadership, I talk mainly about the ability of ourselves to be connected to also our feminine qualities as compassion, collaboration, empathy, vulnerability. So I think there's also guys that working from this place, but I think we have place to evolve. Totally. And I will jump ahead around leadership. Uh, Let's put the book aside for a minute. We are looking about the new world of work, the new leadership style. Yes, we are asking them males to be more empathic, more open, more so, as you said, but it's not new. Let's put it on the table. It's something that you need to have if you want to gain 
and high satisfaction for your team, high motivation for your team. You're speaking about it in your book around the chapter around, you know, the leadership skills in the new world of work. So I agree with your spouse in the sense of kind of pushing the girly part. No, you know, we are looking about transformation and leadership. The fact that we want our manager to be leaders, not a discussion around how many people you manage or lead. It's a discussion of how you look at your, you know, end-to-end KPIs when you are in, you know what I mean, in a corporate arena. Sometimes you see managers with just two employees, but they are open their mind around the market. They are forecasting competition. So I think we are, we need to look at new leadership in a broader point of view. I do connect with you because, you know, I think the new leadership, as you read in my book, is a new paradigm, I think, looking at the people, planet, profit, not only right. on the bottom line, right? And being able to hold the tensions between the long-term and the short-term, between the employees' needs and the organization needs, between spirit and quality. And by being present, we can find the right solution each and every time. Totally agree. You know, one of the things that uh, we marked like a higher-level leader is around how you develop your people, how you enable them to grow even sometimes in a discussion around replacing you. It's a really mature point of view around who are our next generation leaders. And, you know, one of the things that I'm so proud of, like at the beginning of my career, I was a crack manager. I I can't be very honest with you, but with the years I learned around it. But today, looking at the market, seeing uh, employees, he and she, by the way, in a senior roles, it's like, I feel like, wow, I made it. That's where, you know, I gave them the impact. And I think leader has to have that, you know, skill as well. Yes, you know, it, it reminds me that uh, when I conducted my PhD, I was two years in a high tech company. And one of the stories was that I really loved is that one of the employees wanted to evolve and to achieve an, an MBA in London. And, you know, he wanted to continue on and he wanted to do it in London. It was his dream. And he came to the, his manager and to the CEO and he told them, look, I'm leaving. I want to, I'm not leaving. He told them, look, I really want to do a, my master's degree in London. And the yeah. CEO said, okay, we'll tailor you a job in London and you can move to our site in London. And this was amazing. You know, the employee told me, you know, it was amazing because I was a really good resource for them and they needed me. But beyond their self-interest, they saw the bigger picture and they saw my interest and my motivation to evolve as a person. And, you know, they also hold the big picture in mind because they saw the good of the company, right? It's not only their site. So I think this is also one of the qualities as leaders that we need to embrace nowadays to see the broader picture beyond our ego, beyond ourselves, right? Exactly. Able as employees to evolve, as you said, sometimes it's evolving beyond us, right? And not controlling it because I think mainly the traditional leadership was based on controlling, right? And now we need to let go of this control and to find our anchor in the answers and times and live from this place. Totally agree. <laughs> we're on the same page, huh? Yeah, we're on the same page. I experienced it at the CPO level. I now experience it with the CEOs of startup at all, you know, rounds and, you know, struggling the same. And, you know, the COVID, COVID crisis actually raises all those stuff, kind of gave them a big push. I have a slide in my lectures. I am putting kind of ocean. In one hand, quiet ocean. In the other hand, ocean with a shark. I'm saying the shark is there. Come on. It's like, you don't need the COVID to know that. We knew it years ago, for example, with the competition, the hard competition around us and the technology side and so on. 
And I think leader, as you phrase it very well, has, you know, to live in that uncertainty and to grow out of it. And on yeah. top of it, to know how to grow his team. What else do you see in the new business world, in the new leadership world, as a listener that want to embrace new tools and skills? What will you advise them to do differently? Yeah, I think in sense of how to win it, how to succeed at a company, regardless if it's, uh, you know, let's speak about those small companies that we see all around, those startups in uh, more than seed level, let's say around AOB. But I think connecting well the company vision with people's strategy it's a win. I'm coming kind of from university of how it worked before even enhancing launch of a product or going out uh, with a big business cycle and so on. We asked ourselves, do we have the right people? Mm -hmm. Do we have the right skills to those? Do, do they have the right leader on site to move it on? So I think uh, we need to ask ourselves how that connection between people's strategy and vision, and they both need to be very managed. I know there is a big, sometimes pushback around that managed, managed to methodology, you know, process oriented. But I think as much as it's in the leadership, you have an easier tool to manage the leadership on site. Can you give it as an example? What does it mean in the day to day? Do you have a specific one? Each one of the processes, organizational processes, has to be connected to KPIs, to real business KPIs. You are not moving around performance management just because you need to check if, the, if you, are standing on, you are achieving your KPIs or your satisfaction is high or your career path. No, it has to be connected to the, the time and market in that specific timeline and the vision of the company. Sometimes I'm meeting a lot of companies that are doing everything well. Talent management, they have vision, they have KPIs. They also have performance management. They also have happy hour, blah, blah, blah. Just a minute. Let's connect the dots. Let's see if it reflects the wide picture of where we, we are now and where we are adding as a company. Mm -hmm. So you're saying to find the alignment between the practices that we are embedding the day-to-day and the bigger picture and to see that it goes hand in hand, right? Otherwise, it can be great this way, but there's a disconnection with what's happening nowadays in the reality. So it doesn't serve our bigger purpose. Exactly. That's what I mean. And I think it's, um, I think there is an evolution. Uh, more and more companies, um, global companies, Israel company, whatever, are doing a lot of very high level people strategy. But it's like an island inside something you need to connect. And, you know, we're speaking about AI and BI. We need those stuff in order to get a broader picture of our information, our data. Mm -hmm. And if we want connected dots and we want put on the table and, and, you know, a connecting picture, we can't know where we, we are standing and where we are going ahead or forecasting, of course. So, for example, I'm thinking about... Seeing if we have the right people abroad, uh, on board, right? Seeing right. if our employees have the right skill that we need them to acquire going forward. If right. it's in alignment with their motivation, maybe we are going in a different way nowadays and our employees' uh, motivation went for in another direction. And maybe we need to say goodbye because it, there's no alignment anymore. So we really need to see if we need to tailor a new job description for our employees, if they need to require, acquire new skills, or we need to say goodbye because they, we finished this path in our going Amazing. To you know, you just, uh, you just remind me, uh, you are, it's totally 
you totally touched the point, you know, there were stages in our organization that the vision changed. Mm -hmm. So the values change a bit. And the way we hired our managers and employees change accordingly. And if I'll put just for a second my PhD, uh, my academic hat, which I've never done, done it in the past, but, you know, I, I, um, my research was around personal values and the company values and how match or non-match we have with me. And it's exactly that when the vision is in the right place and the values of who we want to be our, our talent pool, when it's aligned, there is a match. It's so important because I, I believe that nowadays, especially, we are evolving as organizations and as, as individuals, right? And we need to pause once in a while. And this is why I also offer my retreats, not right? To, all, to pause and really to reflect upon ourselves and see, do my values are the same with what I had last year? Maybe they change. Maybe I change as a person. What Maybe different things are important for me nowadays and I need to fine tune my values. And once we will do it as a management team and organization, we will be able to keep this alignment. Otherwise, the gap is starting to occur, right? And then we have the values on the walls, but they are not connected with what's happening in the day-to-day in the culture. And then we lose people and we lose our strong friends. Exactly. And, you know, that reflection you are mentioning in your retreat, we're not used to do it in the hectic day-to-day corporate life. Yes, we're setting strategy, but we are running running around our tails to be the best, to push, you know, exactly how it works and so on. We're not pushing to reflect. And those stops, those stops, uh, we call it offside, you know, in the corporate life. Suddenly, (laughs) you are putting a light on specific issue. You start kind of a deep discussion that we don't have time to do ongoing in the office and Suddenly the solution are there and the innovation thinking is much open to a new idea. So, so now I will connect to my academic background and my PhD. And yes, this is actually <laughs> what I found, you know, and I talk about in my new book about the ability to hold the tension between the being mode and the doing mode, right? Because as doing, we learned as leaders and managers that we need to be in the doing mode always, right? And to be busy and to have the right resource. But what we need to learn nowadays as individuals and leaders is the ability to pause, to listen, to reflect, and then do through this being. So we will be much more accurate and we can find you in a way in our path. And I think it's a crucial, crucial, crucial ability that we're not there yet. It doesn't make sense to us because now I have meetings, I need to be productive, but we don't understand, I think people don't understand yet the importance of these pauses. And you know, when we pause, and even when I see when I come back from my retreats and people are coming back from there, you go back much more focused and clear-minded and it's such, it increases such the productivity and the innovation, right? Because we are really open-minded and you can see, we can see much more things. You know, I can say about myself that I'm practicing in the last 20 years, but as I evolved, I can see much more opportunities in front of me. Before this, I went like this, well, really focused on achieving the goal, and I didn't see anything around me. So it was amazing. And now the world is much more richer for me, and I have much more opportunities to embrace. I agree. You know, that pose point connects me to kind of a commonality uh, or a similar uh, line that I saw between the 100 uh, stories. It was amazing that I got you know, the first and the second and so on. And I saw commonalities. And one of them is the fact that after a big, a big crisis, a lot of those women stopped, posed, thought about what I had, 
where I'm going, I want to go forward and what, what would be the right way to do it, even though I thought about a different, uh, different track for myself. A lot of them actually moved the needle, moved the cheese after a big crisis. And I remember I got a couple of you know, stories and I called back those women saying, why have you done such crazy step in your life after so sad situation? And she said, listen, it's a pause moment. I just posed and thought to myself, okay, what would be the right thing to do differently from what I've done? So it's interesting that... Uh, Amazing that it connects. <laughs> yeah. And it resonates with me that, you know, I really believe that if we don't stop to pause and reflect and figure our way forward, life will stop us. Unfortunately, there are accidents and things that happen to us that cause us to stop. So I invite people to take their own, to be owner of their life and to choose to pause, even if it's challenging, because once we pause, we create space for something new to emerge. And otherwise it will be, you know, when we make change from pleasure or pain, right? And we we usually don't like to do it from out of pleasure. So Unfortunately, we will have pain in our life in order to fine tune our path. So I want to call people, don't wait to this point. <laughs> you like to stop, you stop before it and choose how you're going forward. And you know, it's interesting to, that you came back to the book because I keep in my mind, I wanted to ask you back, what one of the stories that really resonated within you and what did you took from the story, from the 111 stories that you brought in your book? Okay, so you know, uh, you know, all my sons. It was, you know, I feel like they're all my daughters. Yeah. So I want. I'm sure all of them were impactful, but yeah, I want to. I want to choose one if I may. I just would like to give you one more commonality that was totally surprising for me. Yeah. I, I even pushed back. Uh, it was around uh, sport, like almost all of them. In one, I, I'm, I'm sure you as well, and I as well. When we were young, around, you know, ages of 5 to 12, we were part of basketball, ballet, uh, volleyball groups. And when I got the 10th story around ballet, I pushed back and I told that CEO, come on, changing. And she said, listen, if so many of us started our lives in those, those groups, it means discipline. It means competition. And it was a hard for all of us, you know. I, I played, I, I acted as a rhythmic gymnastic in a high level in Israel and so on for years. And you need all those, you know, discipline, you know, skills. And it helped us all over our career and the future. So I will choose one similarity in the sense of, you know, one story because I think um, one of the things we can learn from it is to push our daughters to be part of those groups because it's, it's kind of, um, you know, enhancing a lot of muscles, not just sport muscles. It increases our resilience. Yes, exactly. And much more. So, okay, I love better your question. What is the common team? There's another common team that you have? What's yes, the um, yes I really think um, the place of home in sense of values, in sense of our environment when we grew up, and there are stories around adoption in the book. And it's also impact the way she uh, managed her career to the future. The first um, entrance point to the world is really impactful around where, I mean, it's something that you will see across. The sport, it's something you will see across. They're moving the needle, crazy stuff around after crises, you will see it a lot. 
But um, I want to pause you and ask again about what do you mean about the home? I didn't quite get it. What is um, it? In sense of your base values. Ah, okay. The tools you got in your childhood from your parents or other, uh, considering other that are around you. Okay, so the values that you grew up, Yes. How do you take him forward to your life? How do you implement him? Yeah, part of those women actually went against it. Okay, it doesn't mean you will take it, enhance it, hug it like me personally. It's totally 99% of who I am. But there are stories of around because my childhood was like that. My father was my mother. I went and and, uh, made a different track. But still, it's really, really strong point, starting point. Yeah, so it's defining your identity. It can be embracing these values or saying, no, I want to be the opposite. But it creates your own identity by reflecting upon them. Why? Really interesting. Right, it's right. right. We're getting to the end of our session. I really, <laughs> wow. really, okay. it was quickly and really inspiring. I really, truly enjoyed our conversation. So before we need to wrap up, do you have anything I didn't ask you that you want to share with the audience? And actually, we spoke about everything. I just want to give you one uh, tip <laughs> to give the listeners, you know, around. It's, again, kind of common in those stories, but I felt it as well. I would call it choose your consultants. Like, sometimes we tend to go to our uh, family, friends, you know, around us, but they are, don't have aspiration like us. They are not in our day-to-day arena. They are not in our track. And I'm saying, ask for advice from people that understand where you are now and when you, you want to go ahead, even if you will hear a hard answer, sometimes the close consultant are soft with you. They, they love you, they want you, but they are, they are putting their own glass, not your glasses. So I think that would be my 20 cents. <laughs> I really love that, you know, I really connect to my vision because I think usually when we in the change process and we want to grow to involve it in being our best version. Actually, the loved ones and our closest family and uh, friends, usually they will, not from a bad intention, but usually they won't be able to consult us and be there right. for us because they see differently and they see maybe it even touches their bottoms what you want to do and they will want to make you not to do it from other Motivation. So I really agree with you. And again, it's not from a bad intention, but it's where it touches them. And sometimes we need to take ourselves out of our close one and to really go to other people to hear their thoughts. So, wow, this was a great tip. (laughs) I'm sure people will want to reach out to you and your book. So where can they find you if you can tell them? Ah, sure. For the book, we have a website, www.womancareerayel.com. And uh, they can find me everywhere, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, all around. So feel free. Thank you so much again. (laughs) Thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.